You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome back to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. My name is Tanner Smith. I'm your host today, joined by my friends, Yancey Arrington. Hey there. Yancey's our teaching pastor. Thanks for being on, Yancey. Yeah, and Bruce you. Wesley. Hey, Tanner. Bruce Wesley's our lead pastor, also teaches often, and uh, both these guys are here to help us take a closer look at our final text in the book of James. So we've been in the book of James for 12 weeks now, and uh, it's been a pretty awesome series. It's been a good run. Yeah. yeah I think so yeah. too. I think it's been good uh, for our church. Yeah. Seriously good. Uh, but this is the final passage that we're, we're preaching through this weekend, and so we're taking the opportunity today to kind of dive into it, take a closer look at it, look maybe a little bit outside of what was covered on Sunday morning. So uh, let's start by having that text read. Yancey, would you sure. mind reading that out loud for us? <clears throat> yeah, so... This is James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, which reads as such. My brothers, if anyone, uh, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Ah, thanks, thanks be, be to God. God. Yeah, so Simple good. two verses. There you go. Yeah, no. It's, so comparatively to a lot of the texts that you guys have preached through the book of James over the last 12 weeks. This is a pretty small one. Oh, yeah. And yet it's got a lot inside of it. It's yeah. it's weighty and heavy. Yeah. So we're going to cover that today. Let me start off just, let's start off uh, just right at the gate, right out of the gate. What's the main idea of this text? So you guys are preaching through, what do you want someone walking out of the doors of Clear Creek, having remembered, having known about what this text says? We are responsible to bring back wanderers into the the people of God. Yeah. Any other way to say that? No, well, a thousand, and yeah. I always say it all <laughs> kinds of ways, no, but good. yeah, the, the covenant community has a responsibility to the covenant community. Yeah. And, and when you become a part of it, you can only become a part of that covenant community through faith. Yeah. And then what I would argue is the initiatory right into that through baptism says, I want to be a part of it. And once you've done that, you say you're part of a family. And if someone leaves to say, I just, I don't think I believe in Jesus anymore. They, as Bruce said, they wander from the pathway of confessing Christ, uh, because we're a family, it's our responsibility to at least try yeah. to bring them back to um, a, a faith that only one kind of faith can rescue, and uh, the faith in Christ alone. So, yeah, and that, you know, people people <clears throat> hear that and say, that sounds cultic. Yeah, so I, was I mean, say. come on. Yeah. That, you're going to go get them back because they, right. they leave, and it's like, uh, but, but someone who, who would say that, if they were in an experience of yeah. a covenant kind of community, yeah, they would never think that. Right. It's in the same way that they wouldn't think it's cultic that if they stormed out of a family meeting mm-hmm. or they just didn't, for whatever reason, they stopped contacting their family members and their brother or their sister, literal brother or sister, called them on the phone and said, hey, dude, what's up? Yeah. You know, that, that wouldn't seem cultic. That would seem normal. Matter of fact, if you don't do that, it would seem like something is very dysfunctional in your family yeah. if somebody can be, you know, outside the family and you don't reach out to them. So if if people are listening to this podcast and they hear this is cultic, they just really don't understand the nature of what the church is supposed to be about right. and the kind of family relationship that we have yeah, in the body yeah, of Christ. We even have a term for that today. So like it, it's uh, if someone was a family member who had someone who was alienated from that family, the word is called estranged. Yeah. I have an estranged family member, and the reason that we call it that is because families are supposed to be cohesive. I mean, right. that's 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 at least their default mode. Yeah, uh, that that's why James says what he says because he's like, well, this is the new covenant family. 
Yeah. And uh, not the New Covenant organization or business. Or meeting. Or, or corporation or meeting. Yeah. Right. Not just the meeting on Sunday. We're a family. And uh, just like you wouldn't call running after your wayward son meddling or kind of cultish, you would say that's what family does. So that's why James says what he says. So let's address some of that language for a second. Because we, we might use language like... Uh, deconstruction or like, I mean, the, the, the phrase that keeps kind of coming up is wanderer. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of phrases out there right now that are kind of trigger words. I would say deconstruction is definitely one of those words. It's a trigger word now. I don't know that. Yeah. I would say for for sure. I know it's a word. I mean, I know it's a thing, but I didn't know it was a trigger word for people. Yeah. I I think, uh, words like toxic, you know, people connect with Mm -hmm. their faith or with the background that they have, different things like that. When you say the word wanderer, what do you mean? What do we mean by that? Well, let me just go back to deconstruction and then Bruce can riff off of that with, with wanderer. Yeah. I'd agree. And, and, and what we've said, uh, are saying, and we'll say in this message, when this ever, this pod goes up, I I believe the following day, but, and we talk about like for many people, deconstruction is simply getting rid of the cultural uh, accretions that have been put on Christianity that aren't really biblical. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, if you grew up in a Southern Baptist home in Texas in the eighties, there may be things that you did do or didn't do, uh, which probably would be more liberal concerning like in people from the fifties in the Southern Baptist, like, well, we would never go to a moving picture show. We would, yeah. that's what Christianity is. And so for some people, deconstruction, deconstruction is getting rid of these kind of like, that's really not what the Bible's talking about. So maybe this is more cultural than Christian. We yeah. get that. But for the vast majority, deconstruction is leaving Christianity. Right. And so that's what we're, we're trying to circle around. Um, ex-evangelical, that hashtag, deconstructing, that hashtag, uh, upwards of 400,000 of those just on social media now. So that's that's the kind of, um, that's the wandering yeah, that, gotcha. uh, that we're talking about. So. Yeah, and the word in the text, uh, the original word, is where we get our word planet. Okay. And so, you know, imagine someone in the ancient Near East looking up into the sky and they see the stars and they actually guide, you know, mm. guide their sailing by the stars. Right. But the planets, that's different. The planets weren't always where they were, they thought they were supposed to be. And so they were, they were wandering. And so huh. that's where that word then became, um, or came from. And so what's he talking about? He's talking about people that you, you look for them where they're supposed to be. They're not there. Yeah. So, I mean, literally it's, it's like they're, they're not where they're supposed to be. They're doing their own thing. Yeah. And it's away from the family. Right. That, that makes a lot of sense, I would say. So when we experience something like that, then what you guys are saying, the main idea of this text is that we have a responsibility. And who's the we in this text then? Well, <clears throat> the we in this text is the covenant community. Okay. So James is obviously not addressing those who have apostatized, those who yeah. have left the faith. He's saying, all right, family, we've had some people leave, and it's your responsibility I think Bruce made some notes earlier that maybe he was talking to elders and some other people, but what's the language here in this text? Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at the context, this is obviously the conclusion of the whole book. Right, yeah. But in the context, you'll remember in verse 13, he says, is anyone among you suffering? Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? And now in verses 19 and 20, he says, is if anyone huh. among you? Oh, that's helpful. And so in the first two cases, it's um, these people reach out to the church <clears throat> for yeah. the church to step up and help. This is an instruction to the church to, to go help out. people who aren't going to reach out hmm. because they're wondering. Yeah. So the church has a responsibility to reach out when they're not asking for help. That's mm-hmm. good. And that's where we get really uncomfortable. Yes, that is un- definitely uncomfortable. Yeah. So 
back really quick, and I'm just going to touch on this for a second, yeah. but you mentioned the term deconstruction. Mm-hmm. We're basically meeting that term where it is in popular culture, which mm-hmm. is people referencing that as uh, as alienating the faith or the sure. church, yeah, right? Yeah. Which is not necessarily maybe the the original application of the word deconstruction. There's an element of deconstruction that's helpful. Is sure, that, absolutely. That, absolutely. Right? Getting rid of those cultural accretions right, you mentioned that, that gets you back to uh, a New Testament. So I'll give you an example. When everyone said you have to do Sunday school, and then, you know, Bruce and others like him plant a church now 30 years old, yeah. like Clear Creek, and they're like, we're going to do small groups. Well, you can't do small groups because churches do Sunday school. Well, yeah. let's look in Acts chapter 2, and that, that's, that's, and it's a very easy example, even how churches can have uh, cultural things that really become somehow mountains of this is what biblical fidelity looks like. Yeah. And the truth of it is, that's just one way to do it, and sometimes they're not even good accretions. Uh, and that happens throughout the last 21 centuries of the church. So that's a good deconstruction, yeah. which is you're stripping away to get to the, the essence and the truth of Christianity with things that got piled onto it. Uh, what we're trying to address is saying, like, yeah, that, that's fine and good, but really a lot of the weight of deconstruction, at least for people that use it or are using it for, I'm going to wander away from the faith. Right. And Christianity is not, not only is it not good, it's toxic, it's unhelpful, and I'm out. And uh, then kind of whose responsibility is it now for those folks? Yeah. Let me emphasize another kind sure. of good deconstruction that, you know, Yancey's talking about kind of methodological kind yeah. of uh, yeah. deconstruction. But uh, when people kind of leave fundamentalism mm-hmm. as, as we know it, and by, and by that I mean uh, when actually the, um, the restrictions that people put on themselves yeah. become a part of the gospel itself. Like, you know, if you do this, if you do, and it, they're naming behaviors. Yeah. Uh, maybe even sins, right. but they're saying, you know, you do that, you're not a Christian. Mm-hmm. Or they say, you can't be holy and do these things, and those things may or may not be sins according to the Bible. Right. Both of those situations would call for a deconstruction. Yeah. Yeah. And good theology always does deconstruction. That's true. Because yeah. what people do is we want to add rules and, you know, boundaries uh, because we feel more comfortable with that. It makes right, us feel safe. Yeah. But good theologians say, no, no, no. What does the Bible say? And in most cases, what we see is God giving a great deal of freedom and clarity instead of a whole bunch of boundaries and rules. So what I hear you saying is even the way that Jesus taught would have been an element or one style of deconstruction. Absolutely. Essentially, because he's interacting with the religious leaders of that day mm-hmm. and kind of <clears throat> taking off the outer layers that they had put on, taking yeah. off some of the erroneous aspects of mm-hmm. that they had attached to their faith in order to say this is the most purest form, actually, of what mm-hmm. God desires for us as his children, That as would his be people. a great angle and, and appropriate angle to, to talk about the teaching of Jesus as a form of deconstruction in Judaism. It was, it was really a fulfillment, yeah. but it was a deconstruction of the Judaism of the day, right. not the deconstruction of the Judaism that was given in the Old Testament right, necessarily. Exactly. And exactly. that's why I use the term accretion. I know it's a yeah. fancy word, but accretion means things that deposits, if you will, that have accumulated on something over time. Right. And if you look at, you know, I, I just finished a book, finished reading a book, not writing it, finished reading a book on the theological development of Christian doctrine in the first 500 years of the church. Yeah. And, and you can just see over 500 years, there, there are things that, that kind of form on the surface of the church 
that weren't necessarily biblical. It's just how someone interpreted someone right. or something, and it just kind of stuck, and people added on to it, whether it's should we baptize babies yeah. because we weren't doing that in the first, 100, uh, first 50 years of the church, but now we're going to, should we, what, what do we do with uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Like there's all these kinds of things. Sort of a domino effect, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and so it just, over time, those things build, and, and that happens even today. So I, I really appreciate your... Your reflection, that that's exactly what Jesus was doing. You know, yeah. Matthew, he's reflecting, you've heard it said. Yeah, exactly. But I tell but you, and really right it's now. the idea of you've interpreted it this way, but I'm telling you what the Bible really says. Because it's not a new direction. No. He's he's <laughs> helping people get back to the, he's the, true the original meaning. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I think the reason that that's helpful, uh, especially for our listeners, is because um, we want to make the delineation between those terms. So the way that you're describing in that sense uh, sort of a true deconstruction is essentially... Uh, a, a, a tighter grasp or a, a return to orthodoxy for the sake of um, following Jesus at its core, which is, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's just what we would call spiritual formation. Right. Sure. Yeah. But the way that our kind of current culture, social media, some influencers, things like that are interpreting and using that term is more in terms of like, I'm throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yes. Uh, I found these issues and instead of, instead of, tearing it apart and finding the the true core meaning behind what I'm, I, I'm, who I am as a follower of Jesus, I'm leaving that part of the faith. So then that's what we would then describe as somebody who's wandered, wandering, wandered yes. from the faith. I just think that's helpful. Yeah. Um, okay. So kind of moving beyond that, I, I want to take a look at this text from th- th- through the uh, theological lens for a second of kind of two different directions. And we can talk about both of them. They don't have to be separate, sure. but a biblical theology Again, we've said this time and time again on this podcast, but each of these kind of themes and sections of text that we're studying, we try to look at through that lens with the hope of connecting this, not as some isolated occurrence in the scriptures, but as a part of the mm-hmm. beautiful tapestry that is God's word, God's redemptive plan, the the act of God redeeming a people for himself. So how does uh, this call to the church fit into that greater biblical narrative? Well... Of the ways that this does, uh, I would say, and really throughout James, it's the idea of what is the community of God? Yeah. And what are the people of God? And so you you have God creating those people uh, represented by Adam and Eve in Genesis 1, the introduction of sin, uh, you know, very shortly after that, and yet God comes to redeem a people. Yeah. And that people up in the Old Testament is, is Israel, and in the New Testament now is the church. And uh, there's still a sense between old and new. There's this continuity of this. this these are a people set apart to God. Uh, <clears throat> they're to be holy, yeah. and not just what they believe, but how they practice their lives. And and really, that's the whole theme of James is he's starting to see these guys deteriorate. At least some of them. Yeah. And 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 to be fair, this is a hypothetical. He says, if anyone, so he's not thinking there's just one person, but mm. there are people kind of being reabsorbed into this, uh, which is no different than what had happened in the Old Testament yeah. with uh, Israelites trying to be reabsorbed to the nations around them. Mm. And so he, he's just simply saying, uh, if they've if really somewhat with Hebrews, if they've tasted of, you know, at least the idea of grace and being a part of a, a gospel community, uh, they're worth going after. Yeah. Now, we would say that's true about anybody, but but James is focusing on the gospel community, which is, again, God's people uh, still have this tight-knit DNA are supposed to as a as a family. So, yeah. And that's how God's always established that. You know, if we're going to do biblical theology, when He when Christ returns, I mean, He's returning for His family. Right. Uh, now God will be with His family in a different way than He was even with the church by the Spirit, or even, uh, it really is a, kind of a bookend to Genesis 1. Yeah. So, 
This is just James working that out yeah. in real time with his world, saying, all right, what's the people of God going to look like, and what are our responsibilities such, as such? So. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, okay, so similar question, but through the lens of systematic theology, what are some doctrines that are found within this text? So obviously there's kind of a, the question about maybe perseverance of the saints, some soteri- soteriology topics. So what do you guys see in there? What can we bring out? Yeah, God is saving a people to himself. So yeah. when we talk about soteriology, we, we in soteriology meaning a doctrine of salvation, that yeah. God saves, he, he saves us, but he saves a people to himself. So right. when he saves an individual, he saves that individual into a people. Not just some isolated person That's out right. by themselves trying to figure out their faith. Which, man, is such a radical idea yeah. in our day of individualism. That's correct that it is even hard for people to hear it. I mean, when I say hard to hear, it's hard for them to understand what we're really talking about. And that's why when we started out, I said, that sounds cultic, is because immediately when the church acts like the church, as we see it in the Bible, uh, or, you know, the people of God in the Old Testament, which is Israel, and now we see a a different kind of people, a fulfillment of of that previous picture that was a a broken picture, just like the church today is broken, and one day we're going to see it uh, in its fullness. Well... In that case, we um, we oftentimes miss what how we can have individual responsibility, but what that individual responsibility does is it affects a whole community of people, yeah. right? And so, what this uh, passage assumes is an understanding of this community, this okay. mutuality, and so we could we could take that doctrine. And then talk about spiritual formation or the doctrine of sanctification, yeah. how God grows us to be more like Jesus, and he does so in the context of that community. Right. We can't do this by ourselves. And it's really interesting to hear when people talk about how they grow spiritually, a lot of it just boils down to me and Jesus, yeah. right. me and my Bible. How, how's, people would ask, how's your personal relationship with God? There you go. How's your personal relationship with God? Which, you know, in one sense, we have a personal relationship with God, yes. but we don't experience it uh, alone. Alone, yeah. Our personal relationship with God affects this corporate relationship with God right. uh, because we're a part of the people of God. So uh, in those doctrines, then, I see both the church and a real key emphasis on how sanctification happens mm-hmm. through mutual responsibility in yeah. the life of a church. That's yeah. good. That's helpful. Okay, so from a practical... Is there anything else on that before I... I don't want to move on. No, to, okay, no, cool. That's, that's great. From a practical standpoint, so obviously we, we always like to talk about application. Um, and I think kind of one of the questions that we often ask is like, what, what didn't make it into your sermon? So I th- I'm sort of asking two questions here, but from a practical standpoint, <clears throat> we want to look at how do we live this out why should we live this out? And maybe from an angle that you didn't quite cover in your sermon, because I imagine part of the sermon is, well, here's why we should do this, and here's how we should do this. So let's let's look kind of outside of the lens of what you preached on Sunday morning. Through this text, why and how should we as the people of God reach out to people? Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, and Bruce and I talk about, you know, whoever's, whoever, whoever's preaching what, whatever team of preachers are preaching that weekend, we always yeah. dialogue about what we're doing and what we wish we could keep and, you know, what just is not going to make it because we, we don't want to be there for five hours. But or actually, I probably would like to be there for five <laughs> yeah, hours. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think for, for this message, because it's so practical, and James is simply saying, go after and try to bring people back. Yeah. And so kind of the, the, the question that a lot of people would say is, well, how do we do that? Right. You know, is there a, is there a better way to do that than others? And I know that I've stressed in mine is like, you know, humble and, and gracious and loving as kind of descriptors of the way that you should do that. But I mean, I, I think there's a lot of things I'd like to say. I'd like to talk to people about, 
when you let's just talk, let's use a hypothetical. Let's just say someone's got a child. Yeah. Who's which, by the way, I think is extremely applicable to a lot of people who are probably listening to this yeah, podcast. Yeah, you're right. I think a lot of people have children. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah, Nancy. no, no. no I, I said this. Uh, we're filming this the day after I've preached this on Wednesday, and yeah. I did say. Uh, what I've seen at Clear Creek is I have seen people commit apostasy. I've seen people leave the faith, but I've really seen a lot of children yeah. who have grown up in our church that go off to college, and then they kind of punt Jesus. Yeah. Now, you know, the debate is, is that just a phase, or right. is it, you know, either way, it's 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 very uh, stressful. Yeah. And so w- what what I would love to do, and we, we do this from time to time, especially because we're a church for the unchurched. Right. Um, we want people to be able to have their doubts and bring them here. Yeah. And and I think some people have grown up in in some religious environments where where I don't think anyone wants to doubt. I mean, Jesus talks about doubt. James even talks about how doubt's not necessarily great, you know, are you a doubter that but but it's just a part of growing. Yeah. Uh I've heard Bruce say this before and I've always held on to it. You know, your your beliefs are on loan. Yeah. Uh probably from your parents right. or someone who is a loved one until they become your own. And so there's a gap between loan and own for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and to get to from loan to own, you, you got to work through some doubts, yeah. and that's just normal and natural. And I I would love to help people understand like that's 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 a normal part of growing is to have doubts. But sometimes people have a doubt and they think, oh, all is lost. If yeah. I don't have every answer, I just can't follow Jesus. And no one operates like that. I don't yeah. know how planes work. I just get in one and they go. I don't know how electricity really works. I just trust that it does. And so that's, that's kind of a canard. Like, no one, that's, that's really not a good argument, but people feel that way. Yeah. And what I would want to do is just bring them all inside and say, listen, man, this is the same church that has loved you for the last right. however long you've been here. We want to continue to do that <coughs> and work with you. And, yeah. and, and uh, w- what I want to stress to people is the community is there to, to show you what, what it's like to follow Jesus, yeah. to show you what it's like to live in the kingdom. And do so in a way that I'm not twisting your arm. I'm not going to guilt trip you. I I I, I just want to I want to dialogue and journey with you. Well, that's one of the things that makes this uh, this topic of conversation not cultic, right? Yeah. If this was a cult, there's a lot of fear that comes with oh someone's doubting, yeah. oh someone's walking away. It's not driven by or motivated by fear, right? Yeah. This kind of action is motivated by love. For right. someone else. It's a love for someone else that within the body of Christ, we experience yeah. a love like no other. Yeah. We experience love of Christ, love for one another. So there isn't, uh, it's not motivated by fear of someone doubting or maybe someone's going to, the reason for that is um, God is not afraid of our doubts. Like we see that in the scriptures, yeah. right? That God, he, he's okay with the, uh, the psalmist coming to him and just saying, oh, where sure. are you? You know, are you? Are yeah. you are you really around through all this? Yeah. And the reason that's so important is just to reiterate for our listeners is because when people start doubting, if they think doubting is some somehow bad, illegal, yeah, yeah. frowned upon, yeah. even uh, people might feel guilty yes. when they have doubts. Yes. And if that's the case, then we haven't done a good enough job teaching about what faith looks like mm-hmm. because faith always includes an element of doubt. That's yeah. why it is faith. If if we had absolute proof of everything that we say that we believe, we would have no reason to allow doubt. But yeah. faith in itself uh, has room for uncertainty. Yes. So we're choosing to believe something that we don't have absolute certainty about everything regarding it. Yeah. Right? And that's, what, that's where doubt kind of comes in. What happens with people who are deconstructing or they're wandering away is once they have doubt they oftentimes add isolation to mm. that. 
because for whatever reason, they feel like they can't talk to certain people. Like you say, if it's a more cultic environment and there's guilt surrounding doubt or shame surrounding doubt, then you know people want to wander away right. from that. They want to go process this with someone who understands their their questions yeah. and their doubts. And oftentimes in our culture, what happens in churches is people go find someone who doesn't believe the gospel of Jesus, and they want to process with, with that person, when in fact, we've got to create an environment where you can bring all your doubts to yes. the people who love Jesus and they love you, yeah. and process them however long it takes yeah. for there to be greater understanding. That's where sanctification happens, yeah. right? When we have those doubts, but... Uh, and we we stay in community with those doubts. But when we get into isolation, that's when we get into trouble. And so I want to go down that path uh, before we're done. Yes. No, well, I think that's good. So so as the people that are listening, as the the people that are listeners, so say we have a listener who's got got their their teenage child who's dealing with doubts and is like, I don't know. I mean, I I, I know I've grown up in church. I don't know if I believe the same stuff that you believe. How could the the God that we say is so loving, like how could he reject this person or that person? Or how could he say that this person is not going to heaven, you know, based on their behaviors or whatever? So they're asking some of those larger questions. What you're saying is then it's kind of our responsibility uh, before even the apostasy takes place to be a helpful listener, to be somebody that is yes. trustworthy, that that can sit down with them without any kind of fear or without trying to strong arm, th- arm them with yeah. maybe like a kind of a, a toxic approach is again where that word would come into play, but just to, just to be a good listener to start. Yeah, yeah. A matter of fact, I would I would want a person in that place to know you're not the first one who's asked this question. Yeah, it's a good question, right? And people have given a lot of energy to this question. And uh, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if someone could ask a question that we couldn't say that about, you know. Yeah. But uh, chances are they're asking the same. It, most people who want to talk with me because they have some doubts, the questions they ask are classic yes. apologetic questions. Yeah. You know, why is there so much suffering in the world? Right. How is it that these people can be a part of the covenant people of God and that person is not and therefore is going to experience eternal judgment? judgment yeah. And it's like, that right. just doesn't seem right because these people had advantages and those people didn't have advantages. And all those are great questions. Yes. As a matter of fact, going down the road of trying to answer those questions really is part of the path of sanctification, of knowing God better for who He really is, yeah. not for who we or others might represent Him to be. And just, that's a part of discipleship at its core. Absolutely. Yeah. The part of, a part of learning to follow Jesus, who Jesus is, who He calls us to be, is struggling and wrestling you know, with those questions, with those doubts. Yeah. No, I, I, I think a good gospel culture has oxygen for entertaining questions. That's and um, I, I, I think that's got to be an important part of it. I, I think it's a neat reflection, or at least for me, when you, when you look at kind of the responsibility of the covenant community, in, in Corinthians, when there's someone who says they're a part of the community, but they don't mind messing up community, Paul says, get rid of those people. Yeah. Like they're, they're willfully sinning and they, they don't mind if that sin breaks the fellowship. Paul's like, church discipline that guy. Mm. So, uh, but but then James, who's playing off the same sheet music that Paul is, he's saying, but in that same community, someone just leaves you guys. Yeah. You know, they're they're not messing with you at all. They just left. You go after them. Like yeah. you go run after them. And I I was turning here to, to Jude, uh, in light of people who t- talk about having doubts, and, 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 and in Jude verse twenty four, 
it says, excuse me. Yeah. In verse, verse 22, it says, and have mercy on those who doubt. Hmm. Uh, verse 23, uh, have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire. Yeah. And I, I think it's a good companion piece to what we see here in James. It's like, listen, like, um, people are going to have doubts. We ought to have mercy on them. And one of the ways we show mercy to them is by going out to them. You yeah. know, to me, it feels like you're judging them when you don't reach out to them. Like how unloving is it for you to go, well, you know what? Because of this expressive individualism where everyone's kind of on their own path, we all just kind of look within to find our answers. Yeah. Um, where they would say, hey, you're just meddling with somebody. Yeah. Uh, the gospel would say, no, no, that's, that's what family does. They, they, they run after people that said that they were going to be a part of that family and they stick with them until they just can't come anymore. You know, they don't, they don't want to be with it anymore. And I, I think that both of those realities can be true. Yeah. Uh, Corinthians can be just as true as what we see here in James, but I, I just love the heart behind it all, especially with doubts. Have mercy on those who doubt, and we want to help those kinds of people. Yeah. That's why we have classes. And, you know, if I could spend another hour teaching, I, I would tell people you know, what you believe is important. Yeah. But why you believe what you believe is just as important. Right. Because all someone has to do is to just, if you don't know why, it'll take them two seconds to knock the stool out under your feet. Yeah. And then now you're going to, oh, no, what do I believe? I can't believe I, is I this right I, or this wrong? I couldn't argue them into No, and, 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 you know, and I, I told people last night, you're, you're, for some of us, that we're only one argument, one good argument away from losing our faith mm. and, and, or, or really struggling, I should say. And, yeah. and, uh, and Bruce is right. I want to reiterate, for 21 centuries, the, the people of God have been with, with excuse me, have been with, um, uh, able to withstand yeah. any kind of question or philosophical problem thrown against it. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that everyone's answers are going to be nice and there's a lot right. of mystery, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. But, you know, there, there's nothing out there that the world can throw at us where we should be able to go, we, we, don't, we don't know what to do here. Yeah. Um, there's something really interesting to me about what you just read in Jude whenever he, he mentions uh, snatch them from the fire, because mm-hmm. I think of fire as destructive. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned watching them go and just being like, ah, oh, well, I guess maybe they'll figure out their way is actually the, the, <clears throat> the less loving thing to do. And that's because we truly believe that what, you know, maybe, maybe in this instance, because we've talked about kind of the deconstruction, and we could talk about that some more and just in terms of doubts. But another kind of uh, case study of this would be somebody walking away from the faith who's like, I know it's all true. Mm. I just want to live a life of sin. Like, I literally just want to go experience uh, the the classic... Um, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, yeah. pride of life. Like I, I, I don't care. I just simply don't care. Yeah. And to to pursue that person in love is to pull them back from what would be ultimately destructive. Yes. Uh, for their for them as people. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that's 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 really the pattern. That's the general pattern. Is that uh, you know? Let's just use the the hypothetical kid that goes off to college. Sure. You know, he he may have grown up in a very strict conservative religious environment felt a little too much of the accretion, not enough of the Christianity. Yeah. And so now he or she's going to sow their wild oats, do their own thing. And then when they get a taste of the kind of the fallenness of the world, they'll start to justify it. Mm -hmm. You know, well, here's what I now believe about gender or sexuality or money or family or marriage. I, and, and so they start to disagree with the Bible because really the Bible just disagrees with them and the choices they've made. And so they, they, that's that's what happens mm. oftentimes, and so it's 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 the slow degree to apostatizing. Yeah. It's it's this this slow capitulation to the world and compromise where uh, they they never really knew why they believed what they believed, and so now there's smart enough people around them, and and 
and experiences that they didn't have to, to kind of delude them into thinking this is what's true yeah. and this is what's real. And I, I do think it's interesting going back to the text that, that James says, my brothers, if any of you wanders from the truth, mm. um, which Doug Moo, who really great, renowned scholar, uh, talks about this in James. He says that the, the truth really is uh, encompasses everything there is about the gospel. Mm. And so, and when you talk about like raising your kids, like you want them to see the beauty of the yeah. gospel, the, right. the, the the glory. I don't mean that in some religious sense. Like there is a glorious, like Freedom. the gospel of Jesus is the very best thing for all of us. Yeah. The kingdom of God is the very best thing for all of us. And that's really what you're trying to pour into your kids when they're, yeah. when they're growing up. So that when they go to these other places, first of all, they, they need to know why they believe what they believe. Right. But they can, they can... They can see what the world offers and how it pales in comparison to the beauty and glory of having this hmm. beautiful relationship with God in Christ. We're forever loved, forever forgiven, a part of a real community on mission that yeah. makes a real dent where your life's worth something. Right, so don't get me going. I'll start preaching. No, yeah, I, I think, you know, because we're on the practical side of this and we talk about doubt and how it is really the the beginning place of deconstruction, yeah. whether it's a good or a bad deconstruction. Yeah. Um, but practically, when someone wanders away, what what do we do? And you know, even we use the language. You go pursue them. Yeah. In, in a lot of cases, I don't think we even have to pursue them. We just have to remain with them. Yeah, yeah. that's right? great. That's just really great. Just that's great. stay in the conversation. Yeah. Keep keep making a phone call. Be present. Be present. Uh, keep being a friend. And even if that person is wandering and they want to go, whether it's for moral reasons, you know, party life or. Uh, creedal reasons, you know, what they believe, yeah. then uh, you just stay in the conversation. Hmm. And staying in the conversation is is the way that we we get beyond the weirdness, right? Because yeah. what happens is we, we get to that place where if we didn't stay in the conversation, now we have to take some risks. Right. And the risk is how do I re-engage with this person in a way that they know that I'm not judging, I'm not being yeah. holier than thou, I'm I'm really just loving them, yeah. and I'm trying to be present for them, but we've been distant. So I mean, I I I think the key word is stay connected as much stay. as you can. If you have a lot of doubts, stay connected in a faith community to yeah. continue to have those conversations. Or if you have people that you love who are deconstructing or they're wandering, then stay connected with them. Continue yeah. to have the conversation, and not meaning turn every conversation back to. Well, do you believe now? Yeah. Right. Uh, but, you know, in, in really normal ways, have conversations so that they get to bring up in normal ways uh, what they're processing, what they're dealing with, you know. Yeah. So what, what you're describing is relationship. <clears throat> right. Because the, the difference is when we treat people like projects, it's like, okay, well, you know, Yancey said, I got I to gotta, I gotta reach out to those that are wondering. So it's on my to-do list to make sure that that person comes back to faith, like whatever then our mindset around that is just this goal-oriented, like, I've got to just solve the problem here, as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, what maybe some of some people have even done for us, which has just been there for us, sure. been around in sure. a relationship. Oh, yeah. I think it's, I, I, I agree with what Bruce has said. I think it's it's probably more of an art than a science. I mean, the yeah. text does say whoever brings back a sinner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's not, let's not be confused in the hearing of this. What, sure. what Bruce isn't saying is that we don't ever tell someone the truth. Yeah. I mean, we, but but truth Outside of of relationship, feels like you're strong arming somebody. Yeah, truth within a relationship, that's a whole different kind of hearing. 
Um, I mean, I just relate. If this is a family, I relate with me with my kids. I yep. tell my kids things they're doing wrong. Yeah. But but I do this in a context of relationship, and I sure don't do it because I'm high and mighty because I'm a sinner as well. So like, what I always want to tell people is just remember, you're a sinner going out to try to talk to another sinner mm-hmm. about following a savior that that you've embraced. Uh, that without him, you'd have no hope. So there's no kind of, you know, where Christians blow it up yeah. is when we get self-righteous, as yeah. if we've never done anything wrong. And so, again, humility presses forward. But but I'm I'm convicted, you know, we yeah. can talk about this soon, but I'm, I'm convicted that like, whoever brings back a sinner, like, at some point, um, it will do someone well for them to hear where you're going is not the place you need to go, and, yeah. and Jesus has called you to something different, and what you're doing is, is not the way of the kingdom. Um, but... I mean, that's I'm summarizing what could be a six month, six year, yeah. sixty year kind of conversation. Hmm. Um, but uh, I, I just like that it's uh, if it's a slow burn, then it's a slow burn, and we're with them the whole way, so that they know that they've that they've left a place that loves them deeply. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I want to ask a question that relates kind of more personal, but before I do that, is there anything else that we didn't get to touch on that you guys want to touch on? Yeah, I, there is something for me. Yeah, you know, I said I want to come back to this whole idea yes. of isolation. That's good. So I, I think that in in our suburb, suburban, exurban kind of experience, yeah. parents have to keep in mind that the choices that they make are really communicating a value set to their children about the nature of community. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I want to take a little risk here. Uh, to not be misunderstood. Yeah. The there are a lot of things that we involve our kids in that are great things to do. A lot of extracurricular, if you will, kind of things, you know, whether it be baseball, yeah. cheer, you know, mu- any kind of a music thing. But when we involve them in, in things that take them out of the church, yeah. not for I'm not talking about for a Sunday, like you have right. to go to church every Sunday. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about you've just taken them out of the church, then what what that the the risk is that they no longer understand they they don't have any basis for understanding this passage. Yeah, where there are people beyond my parents in my life hmm. who care about me and who care about my spiritual growth, who care about how worship shapes my heart and mind. Yeah, and community is a part of my spiritual growth, my sanctification. And so, I mean, the caution to parents is. You know, part of the wandering begins not with doubt, but with drift. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we great. just kind of drift yeah, because yeah. we were we were doing something else, and it became really important in the moment. And so, all of a sudden, you know, the the ten year old baseball team became more important than the the man that yeah. God is going to make that ten year old boy be as wow. a follower of Jesus. Now, that's good. Uh, that last co- comment, I know people are like, "Oh, come on!" You know, that's no, yeah, but. But understand that that's how it happens. It just happens uh, a degree at a time. It's a little bit of drift at, at a time. So don't take your kids out of baseball. Don't yeah. take your kids out of cheer. I'm not saying that. Unless you're allowing those things to become an idol yeah. that is more important uh, for what you hope for your child than a relationship with Jesus. And yeah. then you probably should take them out because evidently you can't handle it, you know. Yeah, and that's ultimately communicating to them that their individualistic expression is more important than the community that God has placed them in. Yeah, in some ways, if if it's gotten to that point, right? Um, that's extremely helpful, and I think practical for people as well. I think 
one of the one of the best ways to to understand this text is for for us to kind of see it inside of the context of of, of a story. So whether it's maybe a story that you've had or something that as you uh, have been reading this and studying for this, that God's kind of like put something on your heart. Is there any way that we can kind of see or understand this within the context of a real life example, whether you guys have had or you know that someone else in our church has had? And I'm asking you that on the fly. So it's okay to take a second to think about it. Well, I I have had uh, a handful of friends of mine and I, I would even say Bruce and I together have have probably I would also use the term handful of uh, friends of ours who are pastors that aren't pastoring anymore for various reasons, all yeah. all their own fault. And I'm you know I'm not trying to pile on. I'm just saying it's because of various sin issues. And some of them uh, would even question if they're even believers today. Mm. Uh, I have had I have friends of mine, close friends of mine that. Uh, would would probably say they might tell me that they're still followers of Jesus, but really, in all intents and purposes, even their own family members would say that they're not. You know, yeah. they've kind of drifted away, and uh, they're 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 kind of angry at. You can always tell what you're angry at. That that exposes kind of you know what you believe and what you don't. But mm-hmm. they're angry at the church or yeah. angry at even 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 the best expressions of church. And it doesn't mean that the church is perfect. Don't don't hear me say that. But uh you know, I don't know about the whole Jesus stuff anymore. And they start to entertain different religions and those kinds of things. So yeah, I've I've had that. So when I when I work through some texts like this, yeah. those are the people I've I've got names and faces. Uh, yeah. And I think of people from our church. I've I've you know <laughs> Bruce and I have talked about just different people over the time who uh, adults. Yeah. Um some of them Children who grew up in our student ministries that even led stuff and now yeah. have uh, kind of abandoned uh, at least what we would say is Orthodox Christianity, if not Christianity in general. And that's uh, as I, I shared in the first time I gave this message. It's 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 hard for all of us. Yeah, you know, it's hard, especially for parents or siblings or friends. It's hard for the church. Yeah, I mean, we we're the pastors and or ministers and lay people, our, our navigators and volunteers, we, we pour into these folks, uh, into all of us because we're a family, and it just hurts when yeah. uh, you have someone who, who, who kind of spirals out into another orbit that's far from Jesus. And so, you know, I, 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 I'm praying like, Lord, I just pray that they're just in a bad spot. Mm. Like David, King David was in a bad spot, like Peter was in a bad spot, like I've been in a bad spot, and that they come back yeah. and persevere. Uh, and yet, uh, I, I try to think like, Lord, is there, where's the intersection for me with some of those folks? And I've had a lot of those conversations and they're just hard. Yeah. They're hard. Uh, they're, they're, they're very hard, but you know, if, if Jesus left the 99 to go after the one, you know, left the 99 sheep to go after one, uh, I, I don't know when getting there, if that, if that person's going to be a sheep or a goat, cause I don't, I don't know the future. I yeah. just know that it seems like the heart of the gospel and the heart of a good shepherd is to go after them. And so right. that that's the stuff that, that burdens me. So that's that's, that's how I've thought about that. No, that's, that's how that text helpful. worked on me this this week. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. And, that's and I appreciate the question. I honestly probably don't have a story that I feel comfortable just telling. Yeah, sure. But I do have, um, I, I can just tell you in general, as a pastor, one of the, the sad, one of the things that causes me deep sadness is the, I think relatively large number of people that were engaged in growing in yeah. their faith, and I mean, I could call names of a list who are, as far as I know, totally disengaged yeah. from the church. 
Now, whether they're disengaged from praying or reading the Bible, Bible, obviously, I don't know the answer to that. But um, it's a it's a really sad thing. But then I'm I'm hopeful, yeah, because realize James is bringing this up, right, from the <laughs> earliest Christians, yeah. He is Jesus' half-brother leading a church. Yeah. yeah. He, he's bringing <laughs> this up this from up. the earliest Christians who are now gone into a, a, a hostile world, yeah. and some of them are getting sucked into the vortex mm-hmm. of some of the darkness in that world, and they're disenfranchising, deconstructing, whatever. Yeah. And, and he is calling the church to continue to reach out to them. Yeah. And so that's hopeful for me to say... Um, this is probably a, a normal experience because at the same time, you know, we give that long list of people who came to faith in Jesus at five yeah. or they've been oh, in their, sure, the yeah. church their whole life yeah. and they've never wandered from the faith. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so it's not like Christianity is this temporary thing and everyone wanders away. Yeah. Uh, but it is like there is a, a kind of uh, endurance and perseverance to which we're called yeah. And God doesn't expect us to do that alone. Yeah. He expects us to do that together. That's good. And I, and I think just to kind of wrap up to say that there is also, if James is bringing this up and it's a call to action, then there's also hope that Christ really does bring people back to himself. He does. That he really does restore people into the community of faith, that we really can see restoration and reconciliation happen in the context of that biblical community. So that's hopeful. So for those of you listening that are worried and burdened and troubled over those in your life that have walked away or are walking away currently or experiencing doubt or sowing their wild oats, so to speak, or whatever it is, that God's at work in their lives. You may or may not see it, but he invites us to be a part of it. He invites us to open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear how we can be a part of his work of redeeming people. So thank you guys for sharing and for preaching and for the ways that you sow into the church. This has been a fantastic podcast and a fantastic series. One more resource I want to just tell our listeners about that I think would be helpful for this is something that we call BLESS. It's an acronym that uh, we use in terms of reaching out uh, even to those outside of the faith, but I think it's helpful even with this um, Mm -hmm. because it's it's really just daily practices of hospitality to stay in people's lives, to be friends and be in community with one another. So you can find that on uh, clearcreekresources.org, information around that. But that's helpful uh, ways, practical ways that we can uh, practice hospitality and stay in community with people. So, guys, thanks again. Yeah, thanks so Tim. much. Thank Grateful you, for you all and looking forward to what's next for Clear Creek Resources Podcast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Thanks so much for joining us today.